Welcome to Physicians Helping Attorneys Helping People. When people are injured due to negligence or while on the job, they need all the help they can get. Doctors Armin Feldman and Mike Bummer help ensure they get it. Join them as they discuss the newest medical subspecialty of medical legal consulting. Learn how attorneys can gain a competitive advantage in PI, workers' comp, and medical malpractice cases. Armin and Mike can help you better understand the medical issues in your cases, leading to larger settlement amounts and the best possible medical care for clients. They can help save you time and increase case value, all without breaking the bank. Let's get started. Welcome to the podcast. I'm Dr. Armin Feldman, and I'm here as always with my friend, colleague, and partner in Physicians Legal Consulting, Dr. Mike Bummer. Hi, Mike. Hi, Armin. How are you doing? Good. You doing okay today? Oh, absolutely. Happy New Year, I think. This is our first uh, episode in 2023, so Happy New Year to you and to all of our listeners. Absolutely. Happy New Year to you. Let's everyone have a happy, healthy, prosperous 2023. Mike and I were talking and today what we're going to do is what I would call going back to some basics. So I I like the term bread and butter, but so this is a bread and butter case. This is a typical case, Mike, that our attorney clients are going to see. And I thought going over a typical bread and butter case, we've done a lot of things, some of them a little bit esoteric in some of the past episodes. So I thought, let's go back and do something that everyone can relate to. Yeah, I completely agree. I thought it was a great idea. This case that you're going to share with us really has a little bit of everything, but it's your your very much uh, the term couldn't. It's perfect bread and butter for a a significant car crash injury. Right, and then I know you're uh, keeping with our uh, bread and butter theme today. Then I know that you're going to talk about. How, what do we do on a routine basis when we interview clients of attorneys? Yeah. So the, the process that we go through isn't going to be natural to a lot of our first and new attorney clients, but one of the key elements of what we offer is in addition to reviewing all the medical records from all the treating doctors, the next step really is performing this brief client phone interview or, or Zoom if needed, if, if there's mm-hmm. a benefit to that. And we, we really try to understand how the impact of this crash or injury is changed their life, what their medical conditions are, and really to build that narrative to include in our report. So I'd like to today just share some examples of of those interviews and talk about what I prioritize. I, I find I think that would be really helpful for our attorneys because this is not something I, I'm thinking that they deal with on a on a regular basis. I agree. I agree. So let's first talk about this case. So this was a case of mine that I did in August of 2019. And this is a case of a 39-year-old woman who was in uh, traffic. She was moving with the green light. Uh, She was uh, driving a, a Ford 
uh, I think it was a Ford Focus, and she was smashed. She was crashed into by a 2017 Buick Encore, fairly large car. And that car broadsided her, and it hit the driver's side front panel. And the uh, this is kind of interesting, Mike, too, because the airbag did deploy, but before it deployed, she actually hit the left side of her head on the driver's side window. The airbag did deploy. Uh, she uh, paralegal, uh, I'm sorry, paramedics were called, uh, an ambulance was called, and she was taken to a, a local hospital in one of our Denver suburbs in Parker. And she complained immediately of neck pain, low back pain, and headache. And so in the report that I wrote, I started out with very brief introduction, then the records reviewed, and then what I'm discussing now is in the section brief history of events. I should also note that the uh, accident report from the Colorado State Patrol, Patrol stated that uh, this client's car was actually pushed somewhere between five and 10 feet on mm -hmm. impact. And they also determined that the offending vehicle was traveling at a high rate of speed. So she um, had uh, a CT uh, of her brain that was negative. She had some uh, negative x-rays. They did note that she had bruises, what we would call contusions, uh, on the left uh, temple area of her skull. She was discharged from the emergency department and uh, told to follow up with her primary care physician, uh, which she did. Now, she uh, told me, coming back to what you were saying, when I interviewed her, she told me that she was, quote, sore all over. And she had continued neck and low back pain. She had a very, uh, almost immediately, she had a very severe headache, throbbing headache that was on both sides of her head. So uh, then the next section of the report is I quote a whole bunch of uh, verbatim uh, medical record entries that uh, supported, uh, that I felt supported the case. Then my next section of the report was the ongoing medical problems. And of course, as our uh, attorney listeners know, this is the section where we're going to outline our medical opinions regarding what we feel are the medical damages. So, and our, and I, I think it's worth mentioning, as you meant, as you said, the verbatim records and medical record quotes that are included in our reports. We are clearly, I don't think anyone would mistake us for treating doctors when we're doing this interview, but it's an important distinction because we use the, the statements, imaging studies, laboratory values, the, the accounts, anything that's documented in the medical record. And now with digital medical record keeping, I think that we get a lot more data. We're not, we're not just, you know, um, transcribe or uh, interpreting hieroglyphics. We're actually getting a lot of information <laughs> right. from nurses notes and intake to the ER. We're really able to understand what happened and conclude and make these opinions, but we have to base them on 
existing medical records, especially if a case were to go to trial, our attorneys are going to need to cite these, you know, uh, treating doctor records and whatnot. So I just, I think it's worth noting because we use these reports as part of settlement demands to increase case value. Our attorneys use them. It's, as I hear you say verbatim notes, I'm, I just wasn't sure if our listeners knew exactly how we were using those to craft our narrative. That's awesome. That's great. Thank you for adding that. Uh, but in some ways, you took the words out of my mouth because what we do is obviously we talk to the attorney, uh, then we read the medical records, then in every case, we're going to interview the client of the attorney, then do our medical research. And now we're in a position to draw our own opinions based on all of that data and write a report. So in this section on ongoing medical problems, these are our medical opinions with regard to what are the injuries, what are the diagnoses, what are the symptoms that the person's having. Uh, we'll talk, uh, uh, unless it's there's some reason not to, we'll talk about mechanism of action of injury. We'll talk about causation. And key, I think, uh, to help our attorney and, our and the attorney's client is we'll always talk about the functional losses that the person experienced. So, in uh, in this report, it was my opinion that the, the client's worst problem was the onset of migraine headaches. Now, migraine headaches are different than just the typical tension headache that someone may get. Uh, oftentimes, the pain is much worse. Tip, oftentimes, they may only the pain may only be on one side of the head. The the pain is is intense. Uh, it's uh, can be debilitating. In this case, the client describes having sharp throbbing pain, but that's not the whole story. What uh, is symptomatic, what, what makes up a migraine headache usually is a constellation of symptoms. So this woman also with the headache experienced nausea, vomiting, dizziness, sensitivity to light, sensitivity to sound. And she rated these headaches as a six or seven over 10 with each headache lasting approximately 24 hours. And she was getting one to three of these a week. Wow. Yeah. Now, one thing that was interesting, Mike, is that when she was pregnant uh, nine years earlier, she had one migraine headache <laughs> during, and it was attributed uh, to her pregnancy. Yeah. So we, uh, I wanted to make clear in this report, hey, she does not have a pre-existing condition. Right. That was related. It's probably some hormonal issue. Uh, and she had one migraine headache uh, in the entire pregnancy. This is different. She's getting one to three headaches a week. She has all these symptoms that are absolutely diagnostic for migraines. And she's never had anything like this before. I could probably argue that headaches are one of the most, if not the most, downplayed symptom that is life-altering in a negative way for these types of clients. I mean, it is. Yeah. this is something that you, the, the image you just put together of her shutting down, having this pain for 24 hours, and kind of, I have to laugh because I'm also not someone who gets headaches. My, my wife made fun of me last week because I had a, a mild cold, and I told her I think I had a headache, but I wasn't <laughs> sure. Cause I uh -huh. don't know what one feels like, and she's someone who gets regular headaches. And so for this woman, I, I feel her pain because she's 
she's a different person now. She's dealing for maybe the rest of her life with this new, really, really disruptive pain. Yes, that is so true. So, in fact, the only thing that helps her is lying down in a darkened room with blocking out light and sound. And if she can get to sleep and she can get a night's sleep, that's about the only thing that completely relieves the headache. Now, her primary care doctor did prescribe some uh, medication uh, that is actually a nasal spray. It's actually, it's sumatriptan, and it's actually pretty good medicine for migraines, but she was only getting moderate relief of her symptoms. But to the point that you're making, this really affected her activities of daily living, including uh, her ability to work. Because when she got a headache, she had to go into a darkened room. Well, that's not going to be a work situation. So, and in addition to that, she really had to curtail the activities related to the care of her daughter and her husband is doing most of that. And um, that's causing her a great deal of emotional distress and anxiety and loss of self-esteem as well. Hmm. Now, uh, just very briefly, uh, she did have this neck pain and low back pain. And And you included uh, that in your report as well? Yeah, this is the the neck pain is the next thing and the ongoing medical problems. Mm -hmm. Her uh, primary care doctor did get a cervical MRI. And sure enough, she had a disc herniation Mm. at C4-5. Not surprising, right? Um, And there was nerve root impingement bilaterally, both sides. Did she have a a pre-crash study MRI or was it just based upon not having symptoms of this... uh uh, herniated discs before the crash. Yeah, no, no previous studies because she never had a. She neck was asymptomatic. Pain. Okay. Yeah, never had a problem with neck pain. That's in her common. Life. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So uh, she did have some uh, epidural steroid injections. They helped temporarily, and now uh, she was actually referred to orthopedics at the university hospital. And now her uh, physician is discussing platelet-rich plasma injections. And uh, if that fails, she's looking at neck surgery. Yeah. Uh, The uh, next thing is she was uh, continuing to have some intermittent low back pain. This was on like a three over 10 level. It was happening once or twice a week. Well, she did have a lumbar MRI as well. And that lumbar MRI, unfortunately, showed a disc herniation at L4-5 with left-sided nerve root impingement. So that's something that they'll address uh, down the road as it's not as um, uh, affecting her as much as the headaches and the neck pain. So then in the report, I uh, list all the medical charges to date and say that uh, it was my opinion that they were reasonable and medically necessary. And then I go into a long discussion uh, uh, in the report, which I'll very quickly summarize in terms of talking about mechanism of action of injury was my opinion that uh, the whiplash, she had a direct blow to the head, but she also had a whiplash event. Uh, It was my opinion this caused both the migraine headaches and the disc herniation, for that matter, the Mm -hmm. lumbar spine, Mm -hmm. uh, uh, herniation, 
back that up with evidence from the literature. Uh, as you were saying, I was able to quote articles about post-traumatic uh, headaches after, in fact, after uh, auto crashes. There are, there are studies on that. Sure. And um, uh, was able to show the literature supports this. Uh, and then did a, a section on future medical care costs where uh, I outlined uh, in narrative form and then in chart form uh, what my opinion was with regard to what are going to be the future treatments and the cost of those treatments to, and I, obviously that is to a reasonable degree of medical probability. We're not certified life care planners, but uh, these the section of these reports, of course, as you know, uh, are very helpful to our attorney clients in the negotiation process. Could you share uh, on this case, because this is a redacted report that we've seen before, right? Which we should mention, if anyone wants to see this specific report, you can mm -hmm. email us at the uh, email address of comments at physicianshelpingattorneys.com. But could you, would you mind sharing what the total future estimated costs were on this case? Yeah, so um, very, very quickly, um, outpatient physician care for headaches, outpatient physician care for the disc herniations, x-rays, imaging, possible disectomy, uh, uh, surg surgical procedure, steroid injections, platelet-rich plasma injections, physical therapy, medications, um, health club membership for after the physical therapy. The total of that was $128,500. Okay, yeah. I would say that's pretty typical in that range is whenever I'm doing similar cases with these types of injuries. That's great. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, that's the bread and butter. Every attorney that we work with has seen this case, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Well, how about I jump in and, and t talk about the one of the key parts of this process that we haven't covered yet on our podcast, which is mm -hmm. the client phone interview. Great. And I think our new attorney clients at first may be a little bit surprised that we want to call and, and talk to the client because this, again, isn't usually something that anyone has, has really done since you have really pioneered this type of medical legal consulting. And it's really critical for me to write the reports. The reports usually end up being between 9 and 15 pages when you include you know all the different elements that you just went through. But the one, what I think the glue to the story, because yeah. we're writing these reports for the insurance adjuster, for opposing counsel. These are not other physicians. These are not surgeons. These are people that uh, will appreciate a good story that makes sense and has legs. And, and so has, we. And it's facts, right? Exactly. That and evidence to back up uh, the medical opinion. And it just has to make sense, I think, because the, if we put opinions out there that are coming out of left field, they're, they're not going to carry the same weight in settlement negotiations that if we can paint a really clear picture of someone's injuries and loss, functional losses. So this client phone interview, I think, is the glue to the whole report because the facts are the facts they're there on paper and we put them together and make our opinions and make these assertions and that are are very reliable and and based upon evidence but really it's the client's experience and what they've suffered and what they're going through that really brings it home 
for the other side to understand the impact on their life and what that value might have. And so I start these phone interviews. We usually schedule them. Uh, They often take anywhere between 30 and 60 minutes. I I typically do them on the phone. You said you've done a few on Zoom. um, Mm -hmm. And I think that that's very reasonable, especially if we need to read uh, the client a little bit and try to really understand some of the nuances. Mm -hmm. But much like most of the histories that we do as a clinical physician, we start with, you know, what's the location of their injury? What's the character? Character is what does it feel like? Uh, what, how frequently is it occurring? What is the severity level? Is it a one out of 10 or is it a nine out of 10? What are the modifying factors, which is really like what, what causes the pain or the dysfunction they're having and what might relieve it? And I have a bit of a, a template that I pull up on my computer when I'm doing these interviews because I want to make sure I, I really tease out all the nuances of what they're experiencing because a lot of them have, oh, anywhere from four to eight different medical complaints as a result of these very traumatic injuries. Right. And so I, I want to elicit these responses on each of the different complaints that they have, each of the different medical problems. Mm-hmm. And, you know, even one of the things that's a, a bit more subtle is their cognitive Im- impairments that occur. I really want to get a sense for what was their pre-crash or pre-injury level of functioning? Where was their cognitive level at that point? And then where have they been the last 12 to 24 months? And what has changed in their life? And so we also, I like relating specific activities or job functions or things that they enjoy as part of this line of questioning. So, you know, I had a report that on the podcast, I think I discussed it, where a woman told me she was in a weekly bowling league. It was her her socialization. And Mm -hmm. she was no longer longer able to pick up a bowling ball and, and, and bowl. So, that one single thing that she clung to, she was no longer able to do as part of this crash. And that is a relatable fact. And she, um, the same woman also had an adult uh, child that lived with her. And actually it's quite common. I, I found more so lately that some of our, uh, our attorney's clients have adult children living mm-hmm. in the home with them and, or a husband or wife or spouse. And they can relay. I, I've actually interviewed and spoken to spouses. I've spoken yes. to I've spoken to a client's son, who uh, accounted just a few key factors. You know, I remember including right. a quote in one of my reports that said, uh, "My mom just isn't the same." I've seen yeah. her standing in front of a kitchen cabinet for two or three minutes, and she's never done that before. Yeah, you know, yeah. and that. That tells you that something changed. That really right. hits home because the people on the other side of these, uh, these, these plaintiff claims are they're real people, right, Armin? I mean, they're Absolutely. whether you're in a defense an attorney, whether you're a defense attorney or a plaintiff attorney, uh, everyone that I've met are real people like you and I. And when they hear a story, they probably relate it to their own life. Maybe they have a parent. Maybe they've been in a crash themselves. And they right. can understand when you build a good narrative, 
how that yeah. impacted someone's life. So it's separate from the medical facts, separate from the MRIs and, you know, the disc herniations or the shoulder separations, but yeah. really relating if someone can open a gallon of milk or not, if someone right. is able to, I had a woman with, you know, one of the other parts of this is eliciting pre-existing pain versus pain after the accident. One of my best redacted reports that I'd be happy to share with anyone is a woman who did not have a high level of of uh, of functioning. She had a significant back pain. She was being seen in a pain clinic for back pain, but she was going to the mall and walking. She was grocery shopping for exercise once a week, and she was getting through it. She was on some medications and she got occasional injections, and then she had a very traumatic crash. After the crash. She can't drive anymore. Her husband has to do all of the grocery shopping. She is depressed because she can no longer play with her grandchildren. And she can't go do this small amount of exercise that probably changed her whole life. I mean, right, if, you'd right. look at, if you would look at the trajectory of, of someone's life who was getting by. I mean, we all know, we, we see these people and know, we might know someone who, who's trying their best, but they're not in physical very good shape. And then you have an event like a car crash in someone who's, you know, over 60 years old in, or in anyone. But the, the, those people in this report, I was able to make the case with evidence that it was, it's more traumatic for people over 60 or 65. Her whole life trajectory probably has changed. She's no longer using the muscles in her hips and her, her legs. She's no longer getting that uh, heart rate up. And this is going to change the rest of her life. And yeah. so... Please jump in. I feel like I've been, I just get so into this. It's so interesting. <laughs> That's okay. So, uh, and in terms of telling that story, there's a big difference when we can say in our report, the client stated, the client reported, the client uh, tells us and so forth. So it's not just Dr. So-and-so in his report dated such and such yeah. uh, said the client, but no, we're, we're painting a, an active picture of what's going on. So yeah, I do want to, the, the nerve pain one that we, we did a, uh, we did a LinkedIn live or a, a podcast recently where a woman had nerve pain, thoracic outlet syndrome, the, the medical record from the uh, PCP said, uh, continues to have thumb pain. And I, I was able to tell this story and this is the milk jug thing that the woman was right. unable to lift and use and open a, a water bottle or milk container with that hand. That's right. very different than a orthopedic doc saying continues to have left thumb, thumb <laughs> right. pain, right? Right. Yeah, right. Well, let me, let me say one other thing I think maybe kind of semi-amusing, but um, so when I do these, uh, when I first started doing them, I would say, well, tell me about the pain that you're having in your right hand. And the client of the attorney would say, well, Wednesday, I had lasagna for lunch. <laughs> you know, and they're off on some tangent. It's not unusual that, I mean, they don't really know what we're shooting for, right, in terms of doing these interviews and what data we need. So when I do these, I always, I think I've told you this, but I always start out by saying, okay, before I start asking you questions, I want you to understand something. I'm going to be interrupting you a lot. Mm -hmm. And I'm not, uh, please don't uh, be upset with that. 
But as a doctor in trying to help you and trying to help your attorney, there is very specific medical information and medical thinking that I need to go through. So please don't be offended uh, if I'm interrupting you a lot. And another thing I'd like to tell you is I'm going to uh, hear what you have to say and then I'm going to write my report, but it's probably it's not unusual for me after or during the course of writing my report that I realized I should have asked you another question and I'm going to may, may call you back with a few more questions that I have. I have found our attorney's clients feel so they're proud and relieved to be heard. Do you agree after you do these phone interviews? Yeah, sure. That they yeah, absolutely. You really form it's not a patient uh, doctor relationship, not even close, but there's a certain bond where they feel heard. And I think our attorneys actually probably the relationship with their client improves because they now, they now have this doctor involved who, who's listening to their client. Right. And they know that the attorney has hired a doctor to help them to get the medical treatment that they need because they all want to get better. And not only the medical treatment they need, but maybe a new diagnosis. I, yeah. uh, a new diagnosis. I, the last thing I'll kind of share on my phone interview, uh, discussion is that I've had multiple clients where after getting off the phone with them, I feel, uh, compelled to tell my attorney that I'm uh, in my report, I'm going to recommend some additional testing. And I believe mm -hmm. your client has this new diagnosis whether it's post-traumatic stress disorder, which can be teased out with, with the right questions, and maybe someone uh, in, their, in their health journey did not ask them about that up to this point. It could be a, a new nerve injury that I've diagnosed just from asking you know, detailed certain questions. But that is a significant benefit of spending some time on the phone with these clients. Yeah, absolutely. Well, that's all I got today. Yeah, this was this was really a uh, a great discussion. Thanks for sharing your case today, too. Yeah, sure. So, uh, if you enjoy our podcast, we certainly would appreciate it if you'd give us a, a five star rating. If you have a case, if you have a question or a comment, you can email us at comments at physicians helping attorneys. Dot com, and we will uh, talk to you on our next episode. Thanks for listening to Physicians Helping Attorneys Helping People. For more information about the show and to listen to all the podcast episodes, go to physicianshelpingattorneys.com. You can also email Armin and Mike at comments at physicianshelpingattorneys.com. Music.